Psalm 34, verse number 15 says this. It says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and he delivers them out of their trouble. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and he saves such as have a contrite spirit. We learned about that a little bit last week. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now I want to read verse 16, uh, chapter 16 of the Gospel of John. So a New Testament portion of Scripture that, that mirrors this. It says, uh, Jesus talking here. He says, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Father, thank you for your word today. It's already anointed. But I ask that you would anoint your servant. Lord, let my lips be that like a pen of a ready writer. And let your people's hearts be like tablets uh, to be written upon. God, I pray today, take the word. Put it in their ears. Lord, I rebuke and bind anything that would be a distraction today. And I ask your word to go forth in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, smile real big and say good morning. Amen. I just want to brag this morning. You know, it's okay to not brag on yourself. We got a group of young people this morning who did not get home till 5.30 this morning. I'm telling you, if that were me, I might be in the bed and I'm sanctified. Amen. But uh, I want to just brag on them. I appreciate them being here this morning and uh, participating in their school function and, and being godly about it and all of that stuff. We're super excited about it. Well, this morning, uh, I already covered some of this, but um, we're continuing this series that I started uh, a few weeks ago, my unseries series that I've entitled Unscripted. And today, I, I want to talk about weathering the storms of life, weathering the storms of life. And, and um, like I said, if you were here Wednesday night, I preached a message called The Truth About Trouble. And I preached from John 16 and talked about how Jesus said, in this world we will have tribulation. But he said, take courage, take joy. I've already overcome the world. And so he tells us we're not in a life that's exempt of problems. And I'll tell you, that is a certainty right there. Um, I will tell you that there are many joys that I love about what I do. Pastoring is a call from God. It is not a vocation. It is not a job. If one is not called to ministry, he will find out very quickly that the, the pains and sorrows and problems that you have to walk through with people can only be weathered by the hand of God. It's so much stuff that we walk through. We walk through people in crisis and counseling and affairs and divorce and, and, and tragedy and loss and all of these things. And you can say it like this. We walk with people through the storms of life. As a pastor, I wish it was my desire that I could snap my finger or pray a magic prayer and say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that all of our people would never have to have another battle with the devil, never another battle with their flesh, and that all of them would have a life free of problems. And in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. That would be a great prayer. Howbeit, it wouldn't be a prayer that God would answer. Because there's a difference between faith, right? There's a difference between faith and wishful thinking. 
Faith is built upon the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. Wishful thinking comes from lullabies. The truth of the matter is we live in a life that is full of storms. Now, I don't know about you, most of you, let me ask you a question. How many of you have lived here all of your life? Raise your hand. How many, when I say here, I, I mean in the state, in the northwest of Oklahoma, how many of you have been transplanted here from another place in the United States? Okay, just about equal. Wow, we need to do a battle of the north and south. It's really interesting. Um, but let me tell you something. One thing you have to quickly acclimate to when you move here is the, is the storm season. We just hit spring, and what does it mean? It means, it means flowers. It means uh, all of the things that begin to get into bloom. But another thing that it means, it means storm season. I was in a meeting uh, just uh, a few weeks ago with Sean Barnett, our city manager. We were uh, doing some things at the hospital, and he made a statement. He said, you know, um, our city has recently invested a lot of money into upping our notification system as it relates to the tornado, uh, tornado sirens. How many of you are thankful every Saturday at noon for that system that blows? Now, if you live directly under the tower, you may not be thankful. But, or if you work graveyards and you're asleep at noon on Saturday, you may not be thankful. But if a storm ever came through, you would be thankful to have some warning. And the reason why that's significant is because there are people in this room that will tell you that some years ago, a storm came through and it didn't go off. And you just didn't have time to prepare. You know, the truth is, is that there are some storms in our life. When we look out, we can see the horizon brew. We can see the storms. We can see everything. And it's amazing how when you're driving across country and you can leave one place that's sunny and you drive right into like another state or another ecosystem and all of a sudden you see the storm brewing on the horizon, you can see it as plain as day. But there are some storms that come upon you quickly. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 34. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all, right? The question we have to ask ourselves is, who are the righteous? The righteous are the believers. The Scripture is plain, especially in the New Testament, that our righteousness is imputed to us through Christ. When Christ died on the cross, He took our sins and gave us His righteousness. Now, yeah, we have to live righteous lives and our actions have to, have to line up with that. But when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are the righteousness of God in Him. And here's what the Bible says in Psalm 34 and in John 16. Both of them echo the exact same thought. In this world, there are troubles, storms. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been in a storm? All of us have. It's amazing how a phone call can change everything. It's amazing how a letter in the mail. It's amazing how a subpoena from a lawyer. It's amazing how all of those things can change everything in a moment. The question is not uh, if we're going to have a storm, but rather how will we respond when storms come. Now, how many of you know we live in what's been termed Tornado Alley? Okay? We live in Tornado Alley. Now, there are some places in America that don't deal with tornadoes. They deal with hurricanes. 
Or if you go up into North Dakota or some places like that. I mean, we've had some pretty bitter winters the last few years. But if you go into some other places, they deal with blizzards and snowstorms. And I want to tell you something that, uh, you know, I, I, one of our dear friends recently installed a new uh, tornado shelter at their house. And I was speaking to them here a while back, and I called, and I said, hey, what are you doing? They said, well, we're preparing our, our shelter. We're making sure it's clean, making sure everything's on the inside of it. Well, let me tell you something. There are different types of storms, and you prepare for different types of storms different ways, Right? In other words, if my wife were to call me and say, honey, there's a tornado coming, I don't say, don't worry about it, honey, we have a snow shovel. How many of you know a snow shovel pretty useless in a, snow, in a, in a, in a tornado? And, and vice versa. So there are different things that help us in different storms. So not only are there different tools that help us in different storms, but there are different types of storms, period. All storms are not created equal. And today, I want to very simplistically talk to you about several storms that I recognize in the Bible. Now, there are more than three. But this morning, for the sake of time, which, by the way, I can preach a little longer today since nobody's running to the restaurant. Amen? All right. So, I want to talk to you about a couple of different kinds of storms. I've got several little passages of Scripture that I'm just going to read a piece of it just to paint a picture, and then we'll talk about it together in just a moment. Go with me to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Notice this. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness hath come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, running opposite from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go, to them, go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Uh, this morning, I want to take a moment, very first thing, I want to talk to you, number one, about the storm of disobedience. The storm of disobedience. Jonah was a prophet, and God spoke to Jonah in the middle of his calmness and said, Jonah, I want you to get up, and I want you to go to the land of Nineveh, and I want you to talk to them because their sin, I want you to tell them to repent, Jonah, the sin of Nineveh has come up against me. And so I want you to notice this. Nineveh was the headquarters of the Assyrian army. These were the enemies of God. These were people that nobody wanted to be messed with. It would be like God speaking to me after getting up from a nap and saying, Brad, instead of going back to Wilbur First Assembly on Sunday, I want you to get in the plane, and I want you to go to Iraq, and I want you to walk the streets, and I want you to tell the heads of ISIS to repent. Well, you wouldn't want to do that either. And so what did Jonah do? He ran the opposite way from the presence of God. Nineveh would have been much closer in proximity to where he was. Instead, he went down to Joppa and got on a boat to go to Tarshish the opposite way. And when he got there on this boat, the Bible, this messes with some people's theology, but a storm came against the wind. And guess what happens? The people begin to ask questions. 
Who have sinned against the gods that this great trouble has come upon us? And here we find Jonah, they're throwing stuff overboard, trying to save everything. And Jonah says, save me, just throw me over. And so they throw Jonah over. And the Bible says that God prepared a great fish. And that fish swallowed Jonah, whether you can believe it or not. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. Now the Bible's full of comedy because here's what it says when you read a little bit further down. It says that after the third day, Jonah prayed. I think I would have started praying a long time before that. But some of us are more hard-headed than others. And the Bible says in the belly of the well, Jonah cried out to God and he repented. And guess what happened? The whale or the fish spit Jonah up on the shore. And, you know, Jonah messed up. Jonah made a mistake. Some people might have said, God's through with you, Jonah. God will never use you again. But I'm so thankful for the grace and the mercy of God. Because you know what the Bible says? That as Jonah was on the, on the ground dripping with the gastric juices of a giant fish, God spoke to him and said, the, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Thank God for his grace. I want to talk to you about the storm of disobedience. There are some storms that happen in our lives because we do not do what God tells us to do. Hallelujah. These are not demonic storms. These aren't like other storms. These are storms that simply happen because of our disobedience. Can I tell you something? When we disobey God, right? When we disobey God, it rarely works out right. When we disobey God, it rarely works out right. Listen, folks, God loves us with unconditional love. But here's what I need you to hear. The love of God is unconditional, but the blessings of God are not. When the Bible says he's given us every spiritual blessing, that means they've been provided for. It doesn't mean they're automatic. And guess what? Jonah got out from under the blessing of God. God didn't leave him. God didn't start, stop dealing with him. But God said, okay, Jonah, you want to go out here and be hard-headed? I'm going to take my hand off of you. But there's some grace in the story. You ready for this? Because when Jonah repented, his storm ceased. When Jonah repented, his storm ceased. There are some storms in your life that you cannot get out of until you get right with God. Amen. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but there are some things in your life that will not turn right until you get right with God. It may take you three days like Jonah, but the quicker the better. Lord, I repent. I missed it. I got out of your will. Lord, help me. And guess what? Just like God helped Jonah, God will help you, and he'll give you grace. Somebody say, thank God for grace. There's even grace in the Old Testament. Thank God for grace. Here's the second storm I want you to see. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Verse 35 reads like this, says, On the same day, then when evening had come, he, being Jesus, said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, 
so that it was already filling. You see, there's some storms that come into your life because you're in disobedience. But Jesus wasn't in disobedience, and neither were the disciples. You see, unlike the storm of Jonah, this storm is different because there are some storms that come because you are disobedient. And like number two, there are some storms that come from our obedience. I want to take a moment to talk to you about the storm of obedience because they were right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. And there are some people who would say, well, like Job's three friends, Job, what did you do? You must have cursed God. You must have sinned God. Why are these wicked things happening to you? And, and guess what? Jesus, you couldn't say that about him. You couldn't say that about anybody else that was in that boat because they were doing exactly what God had told them to do. I need you to know something. There are some storms that happen because not what you're doing wrong, but because of what you're doing right. Amen. There is an adversary, the the devil, and he wants to do his best to detour us and to distract us. Now, see, there are some people who just don't reach out to people in the middle of their problems because people begin to act like Job's friends. Why are you going through this storm? You ought to just rebuke the storm. You ought to just, you know, repent. Maybe you've sinned or whatever. But in this storm, there was no sin. Mark chapter 4 records that on the evening, Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. What we know that maybe the disciples didn't was that on the other side was the land of Gadara. I've preached this many times. There was a man there who was possessed with not one, not two, not three, not four, but legions of demons. And this man needed freedom. This man needed the love of God. He needed the grace of God. He needed to be set free. Jesus was the answer. And so let me tell you what happened when the disciples and Christ begin to walk towards the storm, or to walk towards the other side, you know, going that direction on the boat, a great storm began to come up against them. This wasn't like the storm of Jonah. It was a different storm. It was a demonically inspired storm. I believe the the demons and the atmosphere and everything was trying to keep Jesus away from ministering to this man. And there are some storms in our life that come because the assignment that is upon our life. Now, here's what I want you to see. Mark chapter 4, when this storm came, right, This is going to help somebody this morning. The disciples, the Bible says Jesus was what? Asleep in the bow of the boat. That's comfort to me. Because what what, uh, works on my nerves doesn't work on Jesus' nerves. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, uh, the, 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 the Spirit of God was speaking to Jonah in his storm. And Jesus is also with us in our storm. But what was upsetting the disciples was not upsetting Christ. But here's what I want you to see, the disciples' response. They said, Master, don't you care? Do you know that it is the flesh that when we go through storms, oftentimes it's easy for us to say, Jesus, don't you care? What I'm going through? Because after all, if I was doing right, after all, if I was, you know, praying the right way, saying the right way, if I was doing these things, this storm wouldn't have happened. Isn't that the temptation? 
in the middle of the storm to say, Master, don't you care? But they didn't even stop there. They took it a few steps forward. They said, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? In other words, their mind automatically went to the worst case scenario. I mean, they ought to have known that if Jesus was in the bow of the boat with them, the boat couldn't sink. It's kind of hard to sink when your lifeguard walks on water. But the storm caused them to lose focus of who they were with and whose they were. And so they said, Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? And what happened? Jesus simply got up and he says, why is it that you have no faith? And he stuck his finger to the storm and he rebuked it. And he said, peace and be still. The Bible says at that moment, the seas stopped roaring. The winds stopped blowing. And they said, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? Here, here's what I want to tell you. A couple of things, first of all. Life is full of bad things, but don't doubt the care of God. Life is full of bad things, but don't doubt the care of God. He was right there present in the middle. They assumed the worst. Fear always paints the worst case scenario. But here's the thing. Jonah got out of his boat, out of his storm, by repenting. But Jesus didn't have anything to repent of. So how did Jesus get out of the boat? Let me show you this. Jesus didn't get out of the boat, out of the storm, by praying but by saying. Jesus didn't get out of the storm by praying, but by saying. Now, there's a place for prayer, but Jesus didn't need to repent. Jesus recognized this storm was spiritual. So what did he do? In the middle of a spiritual storm, he took his spiritual authority. There are some storms that you have to have discernment about in your life. Did something I do cause this? Am I in disobedience? If you check all the lists and and nothing pans out, it is possible that you may be under a spiritual attack. And in a storm that's a spiritual attack, you have to know who you are in Christ, what is on the inside of you, and be able to stick your finger in the storm and say, Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That's what you got to do. There are storms of obedience that just happen while we're walking in the will of God. You know, Paul said it like this, um, the great missionary apostle. There are many effectual doors open to me, but on the other side, there are many adversaries. Paul didn't just have the, the, the known world at the time handed to him on a silver platter. He had to fight. He had to bust through. They had to get through principalities and powers and they had to go through arrest and house arrest and shipwreck and all of these things. And and listen, sometimes when we are in a storm, we don't need to walk in condemnation and say, oh me, oh my, Eeyore, what happened? No, listen, you may just be walking in the right direction. That ought to be comfort for somebody. Here's the third type of storm, Acts 27. Acts 27, verse 9. says, Now when much time had been spent, sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. 
Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but our own lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. But when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close to Crete. Look at verse 14. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. Now, stop right there this morning. Number three, I want to talk to you about the storm of association. The storm of association. Paul was not in disobedience. Neither was this a storm of obedience. This was a storm that simply happened to Paul because of who he was connected to. In fact, I believe by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit tried to warn them not to go to this place. But Paul was a prisoner. Paul was facing trial, and because he was a Roman citizen, he had certain rights as a Roman, so he appealed to Caesar. So what that did was that got him a ticket from Jerusalem by boat all the way to Rome. And if you follow the journey, there were bad things that happened all along the way, but yet when they got to this place and went to get on the boat, the Bible says that Paul perceived that this ship was not going to be good. Paul wasn't a weatherman. Paul wasn't a meteorologist. He wasn't even a, a, a sailor. He was a man of God. Call it a hunch. Call it an intuition. Call it the Holy Spirit. Call it what you will. But Paul had a knowing inside of his knower that this was not going to do well. But you know what happened? The Bible said they did not listen to Paul. Now, you would think that if somebody's speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, everybody would listen. Not Paul. So they got on the boat and they began to sail. And the Bible says in verse 13 that the south wind began to blow softly. It began to blow softly. Oh, Jesus. All of you know that live in Tornado Alley, there's always a calm before the storm. It's a false calm. It can be not a pin drop. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says a Eurachlodon. That's the name of a massive storm, like a hurricane over the waters, begin to blow at massive force. You know what the Bible says about this storm? For 14 days, the storm was so bad. They saw neither sun nor moon nor stars. And guess what? Their food, they either had to throw their food overboard or they ate through it all. They didn't have any food. All Paul could do was pray. So he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And all of a sudden, Paul gets up early one morning. He says, men, I want you to come around and listen to me this night. An angel of the Lord stood by me, and he said, there will be a loss of the ship, but we will not lose our lives. And guess what happened? The boat crashed. Paul grabbed a board, a two-by-four or something, 
floated to the Isle of Melita where he was encountered by some people who did not know the Lord. Paul being cold because the winds and the waves of the sea had drenched their clothes, goes to the light of fire and gets snake bit. Why is this important? Because Jonah got out of his storm by repenting. Jesus and the disciples got out of their storm by saying or speaking or declaring their spiritual authority. But Paul, Paul got out of the storm because of his persistent faith and his prayer for others. Paul got out of his storm because of his persistent faith and for praying for others. You see, there are some storms that happen in our life not because of what we've done or not done, but simply because of the people we're connected to. Right? Come on, I need y'all to act like I'm telling the truth today. How many of you know your world can be going all great until your kids call you? Or your ex-wife calls you? For those of you who have been sanctified your whole life. Or your ex-husband. Or, or before this or that. Or scandal breaks. Or something happens of that nature. But guess what? Now guess what? You're in a storm because of proximity. I like to say it like this. Some storms you're in because of seeds you sow. Other storms you're in because of the seeds that others sow. You don't believe me? Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. I can plant dandelions in the field, and guess what? They won't just stay in my field. The wind blows, scatters the seed. There's dandelions all over the place. I had a family member that was driving home drunk one night. Was in a backslidden condition, driving home. He had moved out of the house, was staying with my grandmother, and he was driving home one night, drunk as drunk can be, in a silver black Camaro. He was about two miles away from the house, and his car went over the center line, and there was a pastor and his family, African-American family, in a white Lincoln town car. He went over the line, hit their car, ripped the whole entire side of it off, like a, like a, like a what do you call those things, like a sardine can just he walked away without a lot of scratches and this family thank God there was nobody that died their car was totaled and insides were torn up and all of those things and had to go to the hospital what's the point I'm trying to make the point I'm trying to make is their wreck came from the seeds that were sown from somebody else so what I've shared with you this morning it is encouraging, but it's not. But here's, here's what I just told you. Here's what I just told you in a nutshell. You are either in a storm, you, you're, you are either walking into a storm, in a storm, or coming out of a storm. You say, I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. It really does not matter. It don't. But here's what matters. Jonah got out of his storm. Jesus got out of his storm. Paul got out of his storm. And God can get you out of your storm. Glory to God. That's what matters this morning. It matters who's in the storm with you. Whoo, glory be unto God. Man, God is good. 
in a world that is not absent of problems, God is in the mix with all of us. If we just simply call upon his name. Amen. I want you all to stand with me this morning. Darren or somebody if you could come play. Please don't leave just yet. Pastor Seth has some instructions for you momentarily. You say pastor what do I do. If I don't know what storm I'm in. Well. I'm not a rocket scientist. But I do have a second grade education. If you can't identify what kind of storm you're in. Repent. Speak. And keep praying. I'm being a little funny this morning. But the truth is is that all of us at some time in our life are going to go through things. And here's the thing I want you to know. I shared this on Wednesday night. It's not the water around the boat that sinks it. It's the water in the boat that sinks it. And a lot of times you have no control over what happens around you. But all of us have control of what we allow to get in us. Right? Our attitudes, our attitudes, um, you know, our, our, our words. Sometimes we say terrible things in the middle of storms. And, and you know, we blame God for things he didn't do. We, we do things of that nature. We blame people. We, we begin to walk in condemnation and doubt and things of that nature. Guess what? We can't even control other people. But we can't control ourselves. And here's what I want to tell you today. No matter what kind of storm you're in, God can help you get out of the storm. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Glory to the name of Jesus. This morning, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I want to talk to you for a second. And I just want to ask you the question. Number one, maybe you're Jonah. And maybe you're going through something. You say, Pastor, honestly, I've, I've messed up. And maybe I've got some secret sin in my life or something like that. You say, well, can a believer do that? Sure they can. Maybe the storm's blowing all around me. I'm telling you, just get it right with God. Get it right with God. How many of you know getting in a fight with your spouse can cause a storm in your house right but how many of you know reconciling with your spouse can calm that storm relationships still there but there's some brokenness repentance maybe you say pastor I'm doing what I'm called to do I'm, I'm, I'm serving God I'm praying I'm, I'm, I'm called of God I'm walking towards my calling I'm giving I'm, I'm, I'm believing I am being compassionate to others I'm trying to walk like Jesus would walk and you say man stuff is just crazy in my life well maybe you're in a spiritual storm and maybe the enemy's afraid of what you're going to do on the other side of the storm so he's just trying to beat you or maybe like Paul you've just found yourself connected 
to people, you can't help the situation. Paul was a prisoner. He couldn't help it. He was in the storm by default. But God still helped him. And I believe God helped the people because of Paul. There are some storms that you're going in that may be seem inconvenient right now, but it could be that God wants to save many people through your life and testimony.